Hi everyone, welcome back for another episode, another podcast of EGOs. My name is Rochelle Kernan and today I have a very special guest. Her name is Dr. Sandra Mann. She is a development geologist and a subject matter advisor at Woodside Energy located in Perth, uh, Western Australia. How are you doing, Sandra? Oh, so great, Rochelle, um, and great to be here today. Thank you so much. I'm so glad you were able to carve out a bit of time and we were able to get our time zones sorted and so we could meet. (laughs) Yeah, good stuff. Um, Just before we get started, I just want to say this session represents my own personal views and not necessarily that of the organization. And I wanted to also thank you for the great work that you're doing with this show. So thanks very much for that. I really appreciate it. It's been a great... um, outreach and and a bit of a comfort during COVID as well, just knowing other people are out there and hearing their stories. So thanks very much. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for making time. So to start today, could you please tell our listeners a bit more about yourself? So maybe where you're from, where you were born, and then also where you grew up, and then maybe something that influenced you while you were growing up to become a geoscientist. Absolutely. Thanks, Rochelle. Um, So I grew up in rural South Australia on a farming enterprise about two and a half to three hours from Adelaide, which was the nearest uh, capital city. Um, And this is in Australia, of course. My um, family are seventh generation farmers Mm -hmm. and we grew up properly in the country, like uh, not really a country town, more like just a series of houses. And uh, I grew up about 500 metres from my grandparents with my family all around. It was really a a wonderful, magical childhood. And the thing about it was it was the most beautiful natural setting. So you could go up to the cliffs and look over the modern quaternary sedimentation of the Murray-Darling Basin, which was so beautiful. And just um, watching it change year to year, watching the natural processes, the natural rhythm of the earth, you know, the wet versus the dry years, uh, it gave me a good perspective on natural processes and time to really think about things and think about the importance of the earth, um, agriculture, and getting back from the earth like what you put in. Mm-hmm. But I was so lucky to have super supportive parents. Um, they were so kind and wonderful. Um, for primary school, I just commuted um, about 40 minutes to the local public school. Um, it was a very low socioeconomic uh, area. There was a lot of um, like alcoholism, domestic violence, things like that, that I was exposed to. It was very conservative in the sense of traditional gender roles. So men and women were separated and had, um, you know, like roles that they had to fulfill traditionally in society. It was quite Christian in that way as well. Mm-hmm. And it was also quite transient. So you got to see poverty cycles of people moving in and out of the area. Uh, as business picked up and and dropped off. But um, I just want to stress, I didn't have that at home. I had a super great home environment, Mm -hmm. Um, wonderful parents that were really supportive. I just want to reflect on this because this is an IND podcast. So Mm -hmm. I wanted to reflect that it really um, shaped my views of IND today. And I never really forgot about those different scenarios I was exposed to at a young age. Mm -hmm. And it was a bit about, you know, learning that everyone's different and that's okay. I'm figuring out how to work together and give everyone a voice and a fair go. Um, you know, meeting people where they are. And even though it was not so nice at times, it didn't really matter because I had a really supportive um, home environment. I had parents that were 
were really supportive and really uh, helpful in getting me where I needed to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and it didn't really matter because at the time I was doing a lot of my learning outside of school, actually. I was an athlete. I was into show jumping, so jumping over hurdles um, on horses. And we're traveling around Australia and around the state and having a really awesome time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I had this network um, outside of school and a non-age a non-age dependent friend group there were people from all ages from all different cultures and doing this so yeah it was really wonderful and I I sort of persisted through senior school I did school of the air which was like remote learning so they would send you textbooks um, and you would have sessions on the phone with your teachers uh, which was really awesome Um, I loved the the self-focus and being um, a bit more self-driven as well, being able to investigate the topics that you really like and are really passionate about. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I love that. And I did um, maths and physics and chemistry and um, all of the science subjects. And my parents were really supportive of that as well. And, uh, yeah, working really hard on the athletic side too. And I guess um, to pull out a few points of influence, I got a lot of discipline from being on the farm and also from being an athlete, um, that really, you know, repetitive nature of getting things, you know, doing things until you get them right and trying over and over again. And it doesn't matter if you fail a little bit as long as you um, really just keep trying and get there in the end. Um, I got a lot of respect from others um, and a lot about prospering through not so great conditions um, on the farm and just through the different people that I met. Um, I learned a lot about business. My parents were quite good business people on the farm. It was all about, you know, profits and uh, what goes in, what comes out, things like that. And also a bit about competition and that competition can be really unhealthy uh, against others, but it can be really uh, motivating if you're just competing against yourself. Mm -hmm. Uh, The idea of being a professional and and being the best that you can be. Um, And the fact that with that, you only really see the tip of the iceberg for some people. You, You only see... Uh, when they're winning the award or getting recognised for the great thing that they did. You don't see the late nights and and all of the things that didn't go right and all of the practice that went into that. So, yeah. That's awesome. It's a bit about me and my early childhood. Yeah. No, thank you so much for your candid response and for sharing more about the struggles within uh, your community growing up. I totally understand. Um, I wasn't necessarily like in a rural area it was more just a small suburban area but um I can definitely understand and relate to some of the things that you would have experienced in your greater community so thank you so much for sharing that because I think a lot of times people um they don't realize how it may not be necessarily in your immediate family but it still influences you and you have a different view than a lot of other people's that you're surrounded by yeah, absolutely. And I think it's powerful to take a, a positive message out of that and mm-hmm. um, learning how to integrate everyone's views when um, they're not necessarily the same as your own is a really powerful skill to have, I think. So, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. thanks very much. Yeah, absolutely. So could you tell us a little bit more about where you went to college? Uh, maybe a bit more, I know I already alluded to it, but also what are your degrees and could you perhaps tell us a story about your career path uh, thus far? Yeah, absolutely. Um, thanks very much. So I went to the University of Adelaide at um, ASPA, where you're now um, at, uh, involved in, I mm-hmm. understand. So, yeah, um, 
that was a really great time. For my undergrad, I did a double degree in engineering and earth science. Um, engineering was so great because it made me realize um, what's physically possible. Mm-hmm. So, like the the limits and the marvels of human ingenuity and what we can build and what we can't build as well. <laughs> so, I think it makes it a bit harder to to pull the wool over your eyes as a professional when people pitch you these amazing projects and you think, well, is that really feasible with what I know of statics and mechanics and <laughs> yeah, uh, the way that things will really work. And it also had some great um, business and economics and personal finance courses as well related to that engineering side of things, which I found so valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the cool thing about engineering also was that it, it challenged me in ways that I hadn't been challenged before. So taking all of these advanced math courses that I thought, you know, maybe I'm not um, good enough to take these, but uh, actually I, I was. And mm-hmm. when you apply yourself, you, you can do it. It's It's okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess the science side, I was always the kid asking, you know, why? How did it get that way? What's going on there? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it was about that independent investigation and research that had been fostered uh, in my childhood as well um, that I was able to pursue uh, through that science degree. So that was um, kind of why I went into those uh, topics. And also I'd gotten really great high school grades. Um, my parents were really keen for me not to waste them. And a few of my cousins had gone there and they said, oh, okay, it seems okay. So even though we're pretty conservative, you can you can go, <laughs> uh, sort of thing. Um, and the farm wasn't really for women at the time. And they didn't want me to get, um, like, fall into the low socioeconomic area mm. that, that we're in and just, um, yeah, have a, have a direction and a purpose, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the time, I was still really focused on being an athlete. I was probably the worst undergrad. <laughs> like, I regret not, not making more friends. Um, and, and spending a bit more time there. So I was living in a house uh, owned by my parents and I was doing about a 400k round trip uh, each time I went into uni. Mm-hmm. And now I think about that, that's really insane. Like I, I wouldn't do that now and I wouldn't want my child to do that. But mm-hmm. um, it was what I did at the time because I, really, uh, I was really pushing on this and I was pushing hard on being an athlete at the same time mm-hmm. um, and trying to live uh, in both worlds. And it, it was really hard and... Uh, some unfortunate events happened in my uh, second year and I had to let go really of being an athlete and that was that was really tough yeah um but again I was so lucky that I had uh, great parents and now I had this supportive degree like I was in my second or third year of my degree and I really decided I wanted to get serious about that mm-hmm. um so that was what I did and I started focusing more on school and, and university and relearning trying to fit in like even though there were some established friend groups already. I found everyone pretty friendly and it was really uh, quite an easy transition to, to go to being more serious about attending school all the time. Um, and I was so fortunate to be taken under the wing of, of a great academic. Um, I became a research assistant and uh, did some teaching and went to conferences and things uh, really started to snowball. Like my interest increased, uh, my grades increased, and I really started to, to love it and thought, uh, yeah, I should start looking around for careers this is something I could really do mm-hmm. um so I did an internship at an oil and gas company and um I worked at a great little consultancy in Melbourne for a bit um but then when it came time to get a job I wasn't really ready to move out of Adelaide yet yeah um the other options that were around didn't really seem that appealing I was a bit like I was looking at jobs and I was like you know is that it <laughs> um so Talking to my um, advisor, I was really considering a PhD. And I was also thinking, you know, as a woman, do it before it's too late. Mm -hmm. 
and get in while you can. And I also had the perfect advisor there. And I had a field of interest. Um, it had professional appeal. And things really came together for me. And I, I know that's not what happens for everyone, but um, it just seemed like the right opportunity at the right time uh, doing the PhD there. So I was so glad that I did that because it was a wonderful experience. It was just a, such a joyful and such an exciting time and I really loved it. Mm -hmm. So I guess my, my PhD was interpreting the murder formation of the Aramanga Basin in Australia. So it's a large basin that covers um, much of the continent and um, it actually has no outcrop. Uh, it has quite terrible seismic and um, we learn a lot through analogues. So I did a Central Australian uh, Lake Air Basin field work. Um, I did a big uh, trip and campaign out there for modern sediments, mm -hmm. uh, sampling and doing uh, GPS and remote sensing and things like that. Um, I went to Southwest Colorado and did a study um, of outcrops there, uh, just on interior seaways, because that's what we think the Aramanga Basin was at the time. Mm -hmm. And then I logged heaps of cores from the formation around the basin, just to better understand uh, the basin morphology and the type of sedimentation that was going on throughout the basin. Um, I had a huge focus on teaching while I was at the university. I got involved or got dragged into as many things as I could, mm -hmm. and it was just a wonderful experience. Um, it made me a better person, and it just I feel like it made me a great scientist. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it was a great experience, but my PhD wasn't really shaping up to be um, really academic in the, in the sense of things. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't really helped by the fact that I was working with industry data, so yeah. I had an embargo on publishing. Yep. I couldn't publish for, for three years. Mm -hmm. And I had to have a really honest conversation with my supervisor about, you know, where this was going. And it broke my heart a little bit because I loved um, pure research and, and being involved with that type of thing. But um, just reading where things were going, it, it wasn't really what was happening. And, and it was freeing to think about other things I could do outside of academia as well. I didn't necessarily have to go and do a postdoc. Um, and I interviewed at quite a few places. I interviewed an investment bank and I thought mm -hmm. about different things that I could do with my background. Um, and I saw, you know, in academia how hard my advisor worked for, for what she had and it mm -hmm. seemed like really hard work uh, mm -hmm. with all due respect. It, it seemed like a really tough job. Yeah. And so I thought maybe I should look around and, and see what else was around. Yeah. Um, so then I actually at an AAPG conference, I met someone from my school that was a sedimentologist at Woodside. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that anything bad was going on or anything untoward, but after I met her and spoke with her, I just started seeing myself in that role and seeing that, you know, a woman could do that and um, someone with my type of background could, could go and do that as well. And she's actually become a great co-worker and mm. a mentor to me at Woodside. Um, and I guess that's the story of how I gained that confidence to, to really step up and apply for that different position. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I did um, out of my PhD. I applied for Woodside and I ended up uh, getting the job and coming here. So uh, on the whole, it's, it's not that crazy. Um, four others from my year, from my PhD program, actually went to the same company. Sure. So I know someone in structural geology, someone in petrophysicists, and we're all pretty much hired out of that class. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it didn't end up being so crazy. And, yeah, I ended up knowing quite a few people that, that went to Woodside with me. So... Yeah, it was great. Yeah, that's awesome. 
Um, I'm so glad you shared that with us. Uh, I love your story and I'm really proud of you that, you know, when you didn't necessarily see your career going the academic route, that it wasn't like, um, something that really, I mean, maybe it did upset you at the time, but you still found like a new path forward. I've had to do the same thing, um, very more than once during my career. So I, I can totally relate to that. And, um, it's really, it can be really hard. Like in the moment when you just realize you're like, oh my gosh, this isn't necessarily the way that, you know, it's going the way that you had, um, planned for per se. So, and it's okay. And it always works out. That's one thing I really learned, especially with COVID <laughs> that it always works out. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's important to, you know, never say never. It's, it's always there mm-hmm. and you can always get other experiences and build your publications and your um, academic side and, and come back to it, I think, even yeah. though that might be difficult. Yeah. If it's meant to be, it's meant to be. So just keep keep yeah. going and keep trying, absolutely. Yeah, yep. absolutely. No, it's really good. Very inspirational. Um, so you had mentioned that you are um, at Woodside, so that's within um, the energy sector. Is there something most that you like about uh, your specific field or perhaps uh, your current role that you're doing right now? Yeah, so I'm going to break this out in terms of my roles. So mm-hmm. being the flip or marginal marine subject matter advisor, I love doing the teaching and providing advice for different projects. So an example of the teaching, we recently ran a two-day core interpretation workshop, and mm. that's for um, up-and-coming, like, early career geologists and um, drilling and completions engineers and different people from throughout the business. So I love that aspect of um, being hands-on with students and, and really helping them to learn mm. and having that aha moment of really understanding what's going on below the subsurface there. Mm. Um, I, I love that part of things. Um, and providing advice, seeing a lot of different projects around the business is really interesting in terms of that as well. So a bit of a, a new thing that I'm working on is is being a development geologist um, modelling in the carbon capture and storage projects. Mm-hmm. So this is applying my static um, modelling experience, so um, fascist modelling, uh, property modelling, things like that, to, um, I guess, predict and, and forecast for our carbon capture and storage projects. So that's been really satisfying because it's a bit of a different mindset compared to traditional geology. It's thinking about injection, mm-hmm. thinking about how we're going to contain these types of uh, fluids. So, yeah, it's really different and it's really exciting. Um, I guess what I like about Woodside um, is it's not a typical oil and gas company. And I guess we, we market ourselves a bit more as an LNG company. So mm-hmm. LNG, you can think of it as basically um, super cooled natural gas. And so it's cooled and compressed and that makes it a lot more... Uh, safe and and a lot easier to transport as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's where our product goes. And we also have emerging uh, hydrogen and carbon businesses. And what I love about working here as well is that Woodside gives employees um, the chance for growth. And it's not just geologists that are new to Woodside. It's people that have been in roles for, for 20 years and uh, 20 years plus, and they can go into carbon and do like a, a mapping project mm-hmm. and then uh, come back to traditional hydrocarbon roles. Sure. And I think that it's great how the skills are really being transferred. Mm-hmm. And if, if we're being honest with ourselves, it's a lot of the same skills. It's mm-hmm. the subsurface mapping, it's the surface mapping, um, it's the geostatistics, things like that, that, mm-hmm. that are really transferable and um, I guess allow geologists to go into those new energy type of roles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I love that that's, that's being enabled. Um, I guess when I was considering Woodside, um, I got the offer and, and I accepted and, you know, people around the faculty were gossiping a little bit and um, someone actually said to me, why would you want to work there? You know, they're, they're a bunch of weirdos. And I thought, you know, that's where I belong. That, that's that's where I'm going to be. <laughs> I'm really yeah. accepted and that's where I'm going to be happy, actually. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and I thought that was when it kind of clicked for me that I would be all right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would be the right one for me. And also what I love about it is that, it's bigger than geoscience. So even though you're a geoscientist, you're using your skills to, to provide energy and to um, take the world into this energy transition. But you're part of bit, something that is bigger than yourself, um, being a part of the company and, and sometimes just stepping back and seeing the, the big projects that we do that make such an impact um, and knowing that you're a part of that. So mm-hmm. I, I guess being a team player there and the ability to be able to be yeah, part of something bigger than yourself is really rewarding. Absolutely. So within your field, do you foresee any new trends um, or developments coming out of COVID perhaps in five years or even in 10 years? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's been a challenging year and or now it's been more than a year. Mm-hmm. I think it's challenging, but it also can be great. And I, I just want to touch on three things that I thought have been really interesting to me. Um, the first one is the work from home and the accessibility of online training mm. and conferences and, and field trips and things like that. Living in Perth is one of the most isolated cities in the world. And, you know, you're generally on the other side of the world from from everything that's going on in terms of science. Mm-hmm. But having that accessibility for conferences um, and, and training and things like that has meant that I've been able to participate in so many more things than I would have been able to than a regular year. So it's, it's just been so great in that sense. Um, I guess the second thing that I wanted to talk about was the energy markets. Like, th- things are obviously changing. And, mm. and other guests on this podcast have talked about it. And I think um, all gen- energy geoscientists see it. Um, I see that the energy markets are changing. Like, some stocks are now not tracking oil price. And mm. you see this particularly in Europe and, and Australian markets. And we're transitioning to these cleaner, greener technologies. And uh, we have to deliver these solutions to give customers what they want, right? Mm-hmm. We have to be up to date with the, what people want and, uh, yeah, be, be delivering these great solutions. So things are changing in that space, but I think it's not all bad. Mm-hmm. And, and there's definitely some um, great opportunities to get out there and, and make most of that. And the third thing that I want to touch on was the IND aspect. And this is what I see with um, people coming through that I teach. And we're seeing... Um, People showing up as what they really are. So, and, and there's a bit of a so what attitude about it. And people just show up and be like, oh, I'm this and I'm that. And, and it's great. And I, I think we're seeing more radical honesty, more transparency and more, you know, acceptance and, and inclusion and, and moving on. Mm-hmm. And some of that is coming from the corporate side. But I think some of that is also coming from the ground up and uh, from younger people that are coming through yeah. after me. And I think it's so great. I'm, I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with you. I think it's the best thing you can do for your mental health um, and long-term well-being is to just be yourself no matter what. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) So would you say that you're currently in your dream role or your dream job or are you still building towards uh, something in your career? Yeah, so I, I'm definitely building, and I think I might just be building till the day I die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Me too. I think I'm, I'm definitely a builder. 
And uh, I remember on a field trip, someone said, you know, the structural geologists, they're the breakers, and the sedimentologists, you're really the builders. Mm-hmm. And it's true, I'm, I'm a builder in all aspects of my life, in, in community, in business, in, uh, you know, different areas. I just love the building things and growing things. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, I recently learned, you know, not to convey a particular role, so not to really get fixed and, and go after a particular role. And to just be open to the best available opportunity. So things are changing in the world and I'm constantly growing and changing as well. So um, quite honestly, I I love it. And I'm open to the fact that perhaps my dream role doesn't really exist yet. Mm -hmm. Or it doesn't exist in the way that I would like it to. And I have to make it. I have to go after it and and make up my own. So, um, yeah, although I'm really confident that the right role will be available for me at the right time when I step into it. It's not Mm -hmm. to say I'm not happy where I am. At the moment, like it's an incredible role to be in um, at Woodside here. But uh, yeah, who knows what the future will hold? But I'm really excited for it. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have any advice for someone it, that is uh, maybe stuck or they're currently building toward their dream and maybe they're feeling a bit frustrated? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think you have to approach things with um, courage and also honestly, honesty and humility. Um, it might be a bit uncomfortable at first to have those conversations mm-hmm. with people, to tell them what you really want and ask for what you really want out of things, yeah. not be um, sort of pretending or playing games, things like that. I think just there's a real power in being honest and, and saying exactly what you want, even though it might be uncomfortable at first. And I think just go for it wholeheartedly. Know, know what you want in your heart and you have to go for it. I think you, you owe it to the world and you owe it to yourself to, to really go for what you want. Mm-hmm. And just, just to keep going and keep building. I think that's the discipline and the, the persistence from being an athlete as well, just to keep trying and keep pushing through things that might be really difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And then to end our interview today... Is there something or a bunch of different things that you do to maintain your personal happiness and success? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think you have an obligation to look after yourself. If you're not happy and healthy, you're not really helping anyone out by being in the workplace. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you probably shouldn't be there until you're in a better mindset. So what I find um, really useful and what I found useful going through my PhD was um, using a strength-based mindset. Mm. So I know there's different tools that you can do online to figure out what your strengths are, but it's really focused on your positive attributes and what you can do to amplify those and how you can use those um, to be better in your professional and, and maybe also your personal life. So really understanding what your strengths are and I think playing to those is really important for me personally. Um I need to remember to focus at times. I think <laughs> I think of this old saying, um, if you chase two rabbits, both will escape. So I think I really need to focus and, and stay in my own lane on some yeah. things. Um, it's okay to, to let go of some really good stuff that you would have loved to have done. And I'm excited by a lot of topics, a lot of different research um, components. But, yeah, I think I really need to focus personally on the thing that I want to get done uh, and get it done. Because, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you, you can't be doing – trying to – have too many streams and uh, yeah never get anything done absolutely I, I guess on the personal side I really like having some time in nature um being near the river the hills the beach definitely coming from that um more of a country environment Be- being in nature really calms me 
and uh, also exercising. So I found it really hard to find a balance between hard and easy exercise, particularly with the history <laughs> of an athlete. Um, I really like uh, doing challenging exercise that really, um, yeah, challenges my body. But I've also recently, and recently I say in the last 10 years, um, found yoga and particularly during my PhD, I was doing yoga um, every day and it was so great doing it every day for those three years. I found it really healing and, um, yeah, it, it was just a wonderful experience. I also think uh, giving back is really important. Mm-hmm. So things like this podcast, I also um, act as a grants director for the Australian Sedimentology Group mm-hmm. and that, that community-based volunteering can be really rewarding. It's yeah. a really good feeling of, of giving back as well. So, yeah, thanks very much. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. Um, yeah, every time I talk to someone, I always learn something new. I learned many new things. So I really appreciate your time today. And um, hopefully I'll get a chance to speak to you again and do another interview. And thank you so much. Oh, thanks, Rochelle. I hope this has been interesting or useful for someone. Mm-hmm. And uh, thanks for your time today. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Take care. See you. Bye. Bye.